When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Peter King not only spent uh, almost four decades, he's one of the great, uh, I always say him and Giuliani are the two great politicians in New York history, better part of four decades out on Long Island doing everything right. Then, of course, nationally, federally, I guess, Homeland Security. But what folks may not know about Peter King, he sent me this yesterday, and I was fascinated by it, is that he was... uh, he was once accused of committing, you ready for this? Well, he didn't commit it. The other guy did. The handshake of shame. Now, how would a loving guy like Peter King ever be described in any situation as being involved in the handshake of shame? But believe it or not, it goes back to St. Patrick's Day. He's going to tell you the story. Here he is, my dear friend Peter King. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Pete. How are you, bud? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you and all your listeners. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah, and it's a great day. It's a great day for the Irish. It's a great day for all New Yorkers because we are really, you know, the American mosaic, all the different groups that come together. Yeah, there's been some tough times over the years, but we always work it out and we stand together. And ultimately, you know, we're all Americans. We're also proud of our heritage. Now, as far as what you're talking about, the so-called handshake of shame, uh, I was uh, Cardinal Connor. This was his first uh, St. Patrick's Day parade. Back in 1985, I was elected the Grand Marshal of the parade, but I've been very vocal on the issues in Northern Ireland. I was very critical of the British. I have said that despite whatever they've done, the IRA and the political representatives deserved a seat at the table. That was the only way there was going to be peace. I had been to Ireland almost 30 times. I went over there with Aldo in 1980. I sat in at different trials, visited different people in prisons over there. And I met with people on all sides, including the hardcore. People didn't realize there were groups against them, against the Catholics in Northern Ireland, like the Red Hand Commandos, the Ulster Defense Association, uh, these various groups. Plus, the British Army itself had killed many, many Catholics. And for many years, Catholics in Northern Ireland were denied the right to vote. Uh, They had virtually no no real employment. So it was was a tough time. And when they peacefully demonstrated against that, there was violence against them carried out by the uh, British Army and their uh, accomplices in Northern Ireland. Having said all that, because I was prominent in the issue, the British government was furious that I was elected a Grand Marshal. Well, hold on. You're telling, me, putting... you're telling me that this went all the way to the British government. They were pissed that you were the Grand Marshal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, very much so. No, it was mainly the British government, and uh, there was the British consul here in New York, the British embassy. And I don't even like bringing it up now because I get along great with them. Things have changed. We had a good Friday agreement. So I'm just saying what was the history then, it's not the story today. But it was the history that, no, the British government was very, very involved in that, people in the British parliament and everything else. So anyway, uh, the pressure on Cardinal O'Connor, this was his first parade. And so I meet with Cardinal O'Connor a few days before the parade. And he said, what's going on here? Anyway, we had a long talk. And he said that he would uh, review the parade and he would meet me on the steps of the cathedral, which was the custom. And so that's what happened that day. And after we shook hands, he could not have been more friendly. But what I did not know at that time was the pressure they had put on him the day before. And one thing about Cardinal O'Connor, if, uh, you know, the enemy of uh, your enemy is your friend. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he was yeah. 
he was furious at that, and we became really lasting friends after that. But no, that it was a moment. So anyway, when he did shake my hand, they, they, it was called a handshake of shame. Uh, they was again very very personal attacks on on Carlo. No, what, what did they did they write? Did they actually put that in like British newspapers? What what did they oh, yeah, call yeah. it? That it was just, it was all over the British tabloids. I mean, this, this was like sto- no, it was a main story for uh, days before and days after. Yeah, and that was really uh, and uh, also the Irish government. We didn't want to get involved in this. They actually boycotted the parade also. Like, oh yeah, and all the Irish groups were not allowed to march in the parade. Now, this was – so then, you know, the jet spread started coming in. And the uh, – so I had Nassau police detectives walking up the avenue with me. Plus a guy – I thought he was some scruffy bum off to the side. Turned out he was NYPD uh, undercover guy. And he was a great guy. So that was all – and they put a bulletproof vest on me. Oh, my Not just God. a regular vest, but some kind of, like, steel down the front of it. And it was like – you know, maybe look about 20 pounds heavier, which is bad enough. No, you don't like that, but right? anyway, that, that was it. It was a great day. Everything worked out great. And then to fast forward uh, a few years, Bill Clinton gets elected president because of my contacts in Northern Ireland. I worked closely with him. I worked with the uh, British government with Tony Blair, who was a great guy. Bernie Hearn, the Irish prime minister. Uh, on the uh, night before the Good Friday Agreement, which would have been the Holy Thursday Agreement, but the Irish don't get things done on time. Uh, the, <laughs> actually, negotiations, you know, the negotiations were going on all night. I was on the phone in my apartment in Washington dealing with the White House, with uh, people in Belfast during the peace talks. And the next day, the Good Friday Agreement was uh, signed. I've been invited to attend a uh, commemoration ceremony for the 25th anniversary in Belfast uh, in April. So it was, again, it was a long, hard road. But it worked, and wow. uh, Tony Blair was extremely friendly to me. I, I really thought back, I was Tony Blair. I remember he described a book to me. Uh, thanks to Peter King, who was on a long journey with me. And 13 years before that, his government had been uh, tearing me apart. He, he, uh, he was not the uh, prime minister at, at that time in 1985. Right. Anyway, it's all behind us. I really, the only reason I'm reluctant to bring it up is right now the British government, the Irish government, and the people in Northern Ireland are working together. They have peace, really, for the first time in 800 years. And that's uh, yeah, but see, but that's me, why, but that's why, it's a, but that's why it's important you do bring it up because you're talking about 38 years ago. And the first thing I said to you was, "Wow, that's kind of cool that you actually face that type of pressure." Now we can say that, right? Now the bulletproof vest is off. But if you uh, don't, yeah. if you don't talk about those days, Peter, then people today can't appreciate what everybody went through to get here. So. Uh, you're right. Things are better now, and everybody's getting along, and that's all great. But it's so important to bring back those days because, as we know, history repeats itself all the time. And if you want to go back there, don't make the same mistakes. Good point. I agree with you on that. And anyway, how's, how's everything you know do with the Rosenbergs? I, I know you always wish you were Irish. Takapina probably thinks you wish you were Italian. <laughs> but I know it sounds deep. You really, you really wish you were Irish. Well, I do because I was the Grand Marshal at the Israeli Day Parade, so I was proud that day. Uh, you know they get me a convertible Cadillac every year for Columbus Day. At that parade, I mean, Angelo Vivolo treats me better than Joe Piscopo. But the St. Patrick's Day Parade is yet to do anything for me, and I love the Irish people. I even said after the show today, Pete, the show ends at 10, parade starts at 11, I'm two blocks away. If the mayor or somebody at the police department gets me a detail, then I'll go. I can't walk with the regular people. You know that. But I'll go. I'll make the two-block walk, and I'll imbibe in all the St. Patrick's Day celebrity and celebration. Not one person has called me yet, Pete. Not one. Very disappointing. Well, again, if you call me early, I could have taken care of the whole thing for you. <laughs> now it is. Now, now it's too Besides, yeah, Eric Adams is your best friend. He should be able to do something. Yeah, like maybe I'll that. text him again. When was the last time, on a serious note, though, when was the last time you actually went to the parade? 
let's see. I know that Frank Siddle is the Grand Marshal for the Port Authority uh, Police. I was their Grand Marshal a few years ago. Actually, I, I see, you know, being down in Congress, they usually have an event in Washington on St. Patrick's Day oh. with the Irish Prime Minister. In fact, the St. Patrick's Day venue in uh, in uh, Washington, Bill Clinton turned that into basically a peace talk meeting every year. Because believe it or not, some of these groups cannot talk to each other on island. It was so tense. But they would meet in Washington with Bill Clinton, and there would be a ceremony at the White at the Capitol building, which was more a uh, celebration type thing. But then Bill Clinton would get each of them one-on-one back at the White House. And these were very, very in, intense talks. In fact, you know, the, the Good Friday Agreement in 1998, that came about just 20 days after St. Patrick's Day, where a lot of real, real progress was made. And they, they, were, they were really tough times. And listen, I knew people were killed over there. I knew families of men who died on hunger strikes and people who died on all sides. I mean, this was a, a tragedy that never should have happened, but it went on really one, one way or the other for 800 years. And so uh, basically Good Friday in 1998, sometimes it's still a little tenuous, but it, it's going to survive. No one wants to go back the way it was. Oh, my God, Peter, you're so great. I mean, the, you know, the, the history that you have with this day being the great Irishman that you are and. I know you love uh, Notre Dame football, too, on a little more, a less serious note. You love those Irish as well. And last year, of course, uh, doing the show with Bernard, his last St. Patrick's Day right here at WABC. You're just, you're such a special guy, man. Joe Takapina said it. I say it all the time. You're such a special guy. So happy St. Patrick's Day. All the best to you and your beautiful family. Enjoy this day, and we'll talk again very, very soon. I love you, pal. Thank you. Thank you, Sir Junior. Happy St. Patrick's Day. You too. There he is.